Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Each week, three of us, the editorial team at Hotel Analyst, gather around the desk of insight to deliver our thoughts on three news topics of uh, the recent weeks. And this week, uh, we are covering Marriott and their move into um, home rentals, Whitbread's most recent results, and also what's going on with cancellation policies for hotel rooms, uh, particularly around the online travel agent community. Uh, gathered around the desk as regulars are Andrew Sankster, our editorial director, Catherine Doggerell, who is our perspectives editor, and me, Chris Bowne, the editor of the Daily News and the websites. Um, and if you like what you hear, just a reminder that you can sign up and subscribe to Hotel Analyst at hotelanalyst.co.uk. While we're based in the UK, we do report internationally on the global hotel market. And let's start by taking a look at Marriott and what they're up to with their new improved home rental service, um, which looks to have been launched in a little bit of a rush after the Wall Street Journal came out with a bit of a scoop at the end of April, uh, telling us all that this was about to happen. They've had to get it out uh, in a bit of a rush. Catherine, what have you discovered so far about the plans? I know, God, these journalists, they ruin it for everyone all the time. Um, but uh, anyway, we shall seek not to ruin this for Marriott. Marriott's been trialling um, home rental through its using its Tribute's home tribute brand as a sort of an offshoot and working with Hostmaker. Uh, we've ditched all that, it's finished trialling things and it's going to go ahead and do it all in the US and the Europe and the Caribbean and Latin America and, uh, and onwards and so long, Hostmaker and hello, loads and loads of different property management companies and uh, and a new branded name though it's not officially the launch of a brand apparently although this would be brand number 3789 or up to 40 possibly for Marriott but anyway was where they convinced that it is a brand we'll know which number brand it is um, so yeah interesting times for Marriott um, interesting times for home rentals as well because um, what they've done here is they've taken on a number of different property companies and it's very much a platform scenario so we've seen the other operators do this I think most notably Accor um, and it wasn't terribly profitable. Marriott commented um, at their invest, um, Investor Day, the day they had recently, that um, home rental wasn't exactly the most profitable thing that they'd ever done. But it's nice to have your loyalty members, makes them more loyal if they can stay in some castle, apparently. And I don't see why it wouldn't. But in this case, they're taking a platform fee, um, which is a percentage of revenues. Um, and it's not so much a big Marriott thing itself. It's more that Marriott has, in fact, become Airbnb. So there's something we never expected to see. If you don't want to, if you can't beat them, join them, become them and become the posh one. So well done, Marriott. I don't think Marriott's so delusional that they think they're going to be the next Airbnb. So this thing has got about 2000 homes um, um, that is less listing at this stage and Airbnb has six million places you can rent so I, I really don't think Marriott's expecting to catch up with Airbnb I don't think they think they're going to be an Airbnb um, but this is very much a reaction to Airbnb and the platforms and the sharing economy and so forth I think the interesting bit is this question of brand what are they going to do are they going to create a brand which they can um, sell and, and put on some of these homes so if you're going to rent your home out you could actually be a Marriott home um, maybe they could do that because at the end of the day what is it that Marriott has which Airbnb doesn't have and that's legal listings 
Well, <laughs> well, maybe, but well, maybe, may, well, maybe, yes. I, th- I think yes, certainly. That's 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 one aspect of it. Uh, uh, I mean, we we'll, let's see how that works out in terms of whether they, you know, are fully compliant or not. Um, how are they going to manage that? How are they going to ensure that 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 is the case? Um, that will be quite interesting. I haven't talked about that at the moment, but I think that is. Yep, I, I agree with you. The the legal bit in terms of being tax compliant, be compliant in terms of life safety, and the hardest bit I think they're going to find to be completely compliant with is all about um, planning and other regulations. So if if, if that is Marit's offer, that is uh, that is something. But I think Airbnb is heading in that direction as well. But the point I'm going to get into is about what Marit has that Airbnb doesn't in terms of the long-term relationships relationships it's got with uh, corporate travellers, um, travel management companies, meetings, so forth. It can plug that, it can use its distribution, this big distribution machine it does have, and if it can plug and give access to this, to these homes, it makes it compelling. Um, I think if you're a homeowner, think, well, actually, I quite like the idea of renting it out to um, corporate travellers, to people turning up to conferences. That's probably going to be better than, you know, the, the range of different types of travelers you could get so i, I think there's i think there's things Marriott could do here which are quite interesting um and about i think that does require them to eventually step up and move into the this is a brand the other thing i think which um this speaks to a little bit is that if you've got six million listings on the site it's just terrifying it's the tyranny of choice how on earth do you get there I mean, it's like if you look at booking if you look at um Expedia now increasingly you put in I want a hotel in London or Paris or um, Rome and you've got so many different offers it's just terrifying and I think one of the things that you know stuff like Hotel Tonight where it scored was actually having a nice small selection which actually made that decision much more manageable and you knew that they were pretty good and pretty nice and you could go for it and maybe Marriott could get into this but of course as we know Airbnb's already on this case having bought hotel tonight but I, I still think there's a there's there is a you know this terrible word curation there isn't an, an opportunity to to make a, 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 a you know group together a selection of properties which are um, sort of Marriott um, rather like Mr and Mrs Smith have done I think quite well in terms of in, in in more old school in terms of being a representation company. There, there's a certain uh, flair with the the Mr and Mrs Smith um, um, listings, which you know you knew was going to be a bit different um, and offer something a bit special and a bit unique. And maybe Marriott can do the same thing with its with its two thousand um, as opposed to the six million. They've made quite a play about uh, how many of their or what percentage of uh, the bookings in their trial were uh, members of their loyalty program. But uh, seeing as they're just effectively remarketing third party uh, properties under this uh, new banner, are they going to be able to take loyalty points or give loyalty points when um, uh, when these uh, loyalty members make bookings in these, these properties? But you're seeing in, in terms of are they going to be able to redeem? Uh, well, are you going to be able to redeem your points at some of these? Yes. Well, I, I guess you could, but that's going to be at Marriott's expense. Absolutely. Yeah, but, 
but but you know they, they do have to do that now anyway um so that it can work I, could, I can see it work but normally what has to what normally happens is obviously merit if if you're redeeming points the the property owner takes a bit of a hit so maybe there will be some there'll be something there in the agreement to enable that to happen um, but yeah, it, the, the devil's very much in the detail of this thing. I can't see why you wouldn't redeem points for this because this is basically the resort and Las Vegas hotel, the next phase of a resort and Las Vegas hotels, isn't it? You have to have one so that your loyalty members can stay in one. You got a castle in Scotland. That's the one, yeah. Rather than a, yeah, <laughs> rather than a uh... you have to, you have to have one now. Everyone has to have one. This is how it will go. People who own castles in Scotland get onto it. So, so this is on the experiential end of that whole loyalty scheme piece, is your idea. Yes, they have to have this. They, there's, I mean, this is what they said last year, wasn't it? It doesn't make a profit. We have to have it. So and you see this more and more with brands that are kind of on the fringe. You have to have one of this type of brand. It may not make all the money for you. This is why Accor is focusing on these particular core brands for their um, investment that they're making, isn't it? Because they have other brands that are on the side that, that support brands. This is a support brand. It's interesting. So this is where um, the Accor loyalty scheme is coming at it with uh, uh, food and beverage, with music and with sports. You can get all of those bits and bobs um, with a certain number of points. Um, Marit's, this is where Barrett's fitting in with this, you think? Yes. It's a, it's a nice to have castle. So you only need a certain number of castles, don't you? It's not going to be a huge hit on their, on their costs, I would have thought. <laughs> Now, while we're on the uh, home rental uh, discussion, there was also a deal this week with uh, the the Indian startup Oya buying into a, a, a European home rental group called um, At Leisure Group. Any thoughts on that? On that? Into Europe, so it must buy its way in. Let it be noted, people who want to get into Europe <coughs> with bread, <laughs> you, you may need to buy your way into it. But also further proof that I think. Uh, Oyo are sort of taking any any option they can to come into the market. They're, they're anything, um, if not flexible, in terms of their approach, um, unlike Whitbread. Um. <laughs> and with those little hints thrown in my direction, shall say? we get on to our next topic and talk about oh, Whitbread, Whitbread, who've uh, delivered us a market update, a uh, set of quarterly results, which I believe, Catherine, somewhat underwhelmed the analysts. Uh, yes, underwhelming was the theme. Um, it was one of those ones for dig out your binoculars because we're looking so far into the future, you're not sure whether you'll see flying cars at the end of them. Uh, this is how far Whitbread now want people to look when they're thinking about happy, happy thoughts with regards to Whitbread because they did not have a happy, happy results. Um, it's all looking very tricky for them. They were underperforming the market uh, in, I believe it was March. Um, <clears throat> these are tense times. They've had to cut. They've decided they're going to favour occupancy over rate, which is never a good sign, particularly when you're in the budget sector. Um, and they commented about some positive things which Travelodge had been doing, uh, which is an even, even worse sign. But they're in this for the long game, we heard multiple, multiple times. We own our properties. It's 25 years out, 50 years out. And that's great. But... Uh, when you want <laughs> the market's not quite so forgiving I don't think and um, when you're looking to Germany to dig you out of this hole um, and you're talking about how you're going to make I think they said they're going to make a 12 million pound loss this year when they as they're investing further in Germany of course the foremost deal hasn't really come to fruition and they talked about how they've looked at big things they've looked at small things the deals aren't really coming off and they need to get and they're still saying that they're not going to use any of their cost of money to fund any of this 
which is the upsetting thing. If there's, they have the opportunity, they have the cash, they won't commit it, they want to return to shareholders, hooray for shareholders. But if you want to buy the things in the Germany, you need to spend the money, which you do have. Um, so it's all very confusing. The analysts were not so happy. Um, and uh, yes, we should all be looking long, long, long term. But as far as long, long, long term looks for Whitbread, if it's not going to be in Germany, uh, it's hard to know what they're going to be looking like apart from cutting their prices and competing there, which when they're always being accused of immunity creep is uh, not really such a good plan, I don't think. I completely agree with you um, about their need to actually make a move. Um, they are in danger of um, turning out like IHG that raised 10 billion by flogging off its property and invested diddly squat actually in um, building up its network and it just carried on trying to grow organically and it went from being the world's biggest hotelier to being currently number three and and it looks quite vulnerable as a re, as a result of having failed to seize a, an acquisition now there's a raft of reasons why I she struggled in part it was because it's a UK listed company and its main targets were US listed so therefore it was going to have to do cash rather than do paper and all of these things came into play but nonetheless it was a huge miss by IHG not to have, uh, have made an acquisition and Whitbread are in danger of making that same mistake. Um, going back to their current set of results, I, I've got a little bit more sympathy with them um, than many of the analysts had. I, I, I actually think that they're in investing to maintain market share and that's an important thing to be doing. Um, if we, if we if we look at a parallel in the retail business, you know, if you look Tesco's or Sainsbury's, uh, you go Carrefour or whatever, um, they they would say, oh, we're investing money to cut prices. Well, that's effectively what Whitbread are doing here. They're making sure they're hanging on to the, the market, making sure that these people are carrying on staying with them rather than going to rivals. And I think underlyingly, the, the UK business is it's stupendous. I mean, it's it, it's it's has stronger KPIs than almost any other uh, comparably sized hotel business anywhere. Um, in terms, of you look at the how, how few rooms are sold through OTAs. You look at this really strong market share. It's far and away the number one hotelier in the UK. Uh, I think it's in a you know it's a very robust, good business in the UK. Um, and and yeah, I mean the market's turned. It's going down. Um, it's challenging. Um, but the much bigger challenge is Germany, and it's got to do something. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But um, don't you think the problem if you operate in the budget end of the market and you lead on price and then you start cutting price, it's like giving governments too much power. They don't give it back. Uh, if you start selling your rooms cheaply, how do you claw them back up? Well, I mean, Whitbread has what, 40% of the branded budget um, hotel market in the UK, there or thereabouts, and it's 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 growing that share all the time. And if you look at it for for that medium term piece, it's it's ensuring that no competitors are are able to come in. What about Oyo? At its heels. Uh, yeah, well, um, I've got deep scepticism <laughs> about them and their model, as we've talked about in the previous podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, the, I I think. Oyo is a good example from coming from below and you've got you know from above 
potential threats as well. But surely uh, Whitbread and Premier Inn are far sharper than anybody else in the market. They've invested much more money than anyone else online and surely they're far faster and far more able to, to ratchet rates back up if they see uh, the market strengthening. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Okay, right. And on to our third topic, which is the whole business of letting those pesky guests cancel their room reservations and not pay for their hotel rooms. Um, the OTAs love to be able to promise it. The hotel groups hate the idea of having to execute it, uh, unless, of course, you're a uh, loyalty member. Um, Catherine, you've had a look at a report focusing on where this state of play is in this whole business of letting people have their money back. Oh, yes, it's bad. Um, people, keep, people keep doing it more, um, like the awful, awful people that they are, uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to be able to cancel something that they haven't used um, before they haven't used it and not pay for it, which is radical. But um, yes, so it's all, it's all a bit the complaining the OTAs for all of this, obviously. Um, so once again, it's a case of look how you use the OTAs and also look what you're offering um, to people. We talked um, about the Amadeus report, which featured um, demands really for hotels to start offering different types of rooms more flexible but not more flexible booking but more flexible options when booking and there was the risk of course that the hotels would think this is some way that I can keep my loyalty people close by only offering it for direct bookings but of course the fact of the matter is that if you're offering it you need to offer it for everyone and the trouble is that because they've offered um, through the OTAs you can get cancellate wherever you want um, but the hotels it's it's less advantageous for them and indeed over the last couple of years they've been changing their cancellation policies moving mostly from 24 hours to 48 um, that by Marriott and so now will they have to use this as uh, some kind of loyalty thing some of them do Hyatt does um, or will they have to just find a better way to revenue manage which I fear is what they are going to actually have to do uh, so yes, once again, the OTA is ruining it for the operators who are going to actually have to start thinking about how they sell their rooms and treat their customers. I, 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 it mystifies me, me why this is so complicated. I mean, they've got the perfect example of the airline industry who dealt with this years ago. Um, you charge a higher rate for flexible bookings and you discount guests who are to pr prepared to book non-refundable rooms. How hard is that to implement? I just don't understand why this is being so complicated for hoteliers. Now, I can see why it gets complicated through the different channels, but then you just price appropriately, you know. So if you've got your corporate travellers and they're demanding that flexibility, well, you have to, in your rate negotiation with them, you say, well, look, you know, if, if you want this flexibility, you've got to be prepared to pay with it pay for it and you can't then come back to us and say oh look at these online rates here and um, they're so much cheaper well they're cheaper if they're non-refundable but you're not booking non-refundable rates so you're not comparing like with like i mean that conversation has gone on in the airline industry and has been accepted what why is it so hard for it not to go on in the hotel sector i i'm, I'm no, hotels are always confused that the internet isn't going to catch on so is yet more proof it's just bounds go away we don't need to revise our revenue management or anything like that it just it'll go away eventually don't you worry about it well um, going back to our good friends premier in whitbread um they introduced this differential pricing um a little while back didn't they and uh you know you, you've got two choices you can pay as you just said andrew you can pay the uh the non-refundable price or for a premium you can pay a uh, cancelable price and um, I believe when it was introduced they believed that that was going to give them another notch of uh, 
of Revpar and uh, and well, power to Whitbread's elbow and because of course if you distribute ninety seven percent of your inventory direct, you can do that. Well, it's just it's just marketing basics as well because you just you 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 you're just discriminating within within your customer base about what they want and you're you're working out what they're prepared to pay for. So I, I don't see why this is so complicated. So is it just a cultural thing that the big the big hotel brands have an issue with actually saying we're going to take this perceived benefit away from you? I, I actually think it's more mundane than that. I actually think it, it, it's more because they're so slow at moving, and it's and they've they've got themselves into such complicated relationships with different distribution channels and different owners. And it, I mean, it reminds me of the, the pickle they got in with free Wi-Fi, where they'd struck these um, deals with a bunch of uh, Wi-Fi providers, and they were like some of them had even signed five or even ten-year contracts. Um, and you know, I, I remember sitting down um, with somebody from Premier Inn and he was bemoaning said oh you know Travel Lodge have been offering this free Wi-Fi and they're really causing us immense pain and I can't get out of my contracts without paying a huge amount of money to the the Wi-Fi company that I've signed deals with um, and this is you know this is what they've you know, and I, I suspect there's something uh, underneath this in terms of why they can't distribute their rooms on a more rational, sensible basis in terms of having non-refundable um, and refundable uh, rooms. What's so tricky? Yeah, that's all you need to do is just get a clean sheet and start afresh. And on that, <laughs> that helpful piece of advice, we're going to stop this week's Hotel Analyst podcast and uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you again soon. Bye for now.